You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. <laughs> That's all right. We'll start recording anyway. This will be perfect. All right, we got a guest. We got a guest. We got, we got a guest. guest. <laughs> Killer bees are back with a guest. Two guests. Hello, everyone. We're on video. We're uglifying your computer screens, your phones, whatever Woo. device you have. And this is the first video podcast of Killer Bees. Are we on episode six? I don't know. <laughs> I, I've lost track because we've stopped recording so much. <laughs> we took a hiatus. We took a hiatus. We're like Daft Punk. We're yeah. back after 15 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You became a Southerner recently. Congratulations. I did. Yes, And as a Southerner, I got stuck in the snow, so we're very Southern. Cheers. <laughs> so, Cheers. Killer Peaks, I'm Tommy Barbie. Nice to meet you all. And joining me is the delightful Keelan Ballou. Hi. And our first guest, finally, we have a guest. We're cool <laughs> enough to have guests take that Northside podcast. Yeah. At you. The lovely and comparable Crystal O'Keefe is joining us. So thank you. Thank you very much for, for joining this show. Thank you, Crystal. Uh, a former B on the show, as uh, my maiden name started with a B. So I feel right at home with you guys. Whoop, whoop. So many Bs. <laughs> We're all Bs here. We're all Bs, yes. <laughs> I've called that so many times. It's fine. 
So we are here, and uh, the White Sox have a game that's actually being televised in about an hour, um, and I'm going to refrain from going on my annual rant about how in this day and age, it doesn't make any damn sense for every game to not be televised. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> but <laughs> that being said... How do you all feel about the current status of the White Sox? Are you excited? Meh? Not so great? How are we feeling? I mean, it's spring training, so it doesn't matter at all. But I was excited yesterday that they actually won a game because these ties are the most obnoxious thing in the world. (laughs) Shout out to Colleen for not writing about them yesterday. (laughs) That's the only reason why. Finally. Love you, Colleen. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised, too. With I mean, like you said, it doesn't matter. But with the lineup, I was like, okay, here we go. (laughs) We're doing it. (gasps) Sorry, I have cat interference. That's okay. (laughs) I feel like I'm watching a Tony La Russa postgame show right (laughs) now. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, we have a. This is gonna just happen throughout. I think she kind of just does her own thing. So here's our uh, fourth B today. <laughs> the biggest B, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that um, that one was harassing your other animals of the house last night. Yeah, she just sprints around and meows a lot, and will like jump on the headboard and sometimes fall and like scratch face. And then as soon as I like start waking up, she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go away now and sleep." So, oop, you're a jerk. Anyway, I'm sorry. Like we were saying, spring training. <laughs> this is going well so far. <laughs> no, we're good. No, I mean, I, I, I know spring training doesn't matter, but usually, historically. That's where you tend to find offenses doing well and the pitching struggling. And this year it's been the total opposite. So given how well the offense did last year, I have to admit I was a little bit concerned that the bats haven't really gotten going yet. Um, but, you know, the, the pitching doing well is always a good thing. It was nice seeing Ronaldo Lopez um Hopefully on the right track for yeah. you know the five hundredth time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I was thinking about him in particular because I'm like, now that he doesn't have to deal with um the doghouse this year, um he might do a lot better because it just it wasn't good between him and Ricky Rodaria last year and um I'm I'm glad that he's in a better situation now, but I just hope that he actually takes advantage of that. Yeah, it seems like a lot of those pitchers, it's kind of like a fresh start, like him and Rodon, and hopefully that will be good mentally for them. And, yeah, it will be a really good fresh start. Um, yeah. But I was really excited to see that, too. I remember during the playoffs last year tweeting something like, <laughs> Redemption for Raylo. And then, like, not long <laughs> after that, he he did bad, and I was like, "Oh God, I wish I hadn't put that out there." Every so start felt on. like a redemption start for Ronaldo <laughs> yeah. Lopez. It's like this yeah. is the one where he's finally going to figure it out and turn things around. And it's like, no, more gasoline <laughs> on the fire. Yeah. Well, between him and Nomar, it was just me going, "Yes, this is going to be it. It's going to be the perfect storm for them." And then, boom. <laughs> 
blows up in my face. So I was like, I'm just kidding. Storm. (laughs) Storm. Uh, Storm. So I'm just going to not tweet about these guys and save my sanity. Yeah. I think my approach this season will – last year it was like, yeah, be good. But this season I'm like, yeah. Don't Great suck. job, everybody. Yeah. Less. <laughs> Let's go get ice cream after the game. <laughs> <laughs> Low to no expectations. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the guys that they've brought on have at least been decent so far. I mean, I'm surprised at how well Jonathan Lucroy's been doing. Um, I thought his career, frankly, ended about five years ago, so to see him even making consistent contact is a good sign. Um, hopefully they're able to keep him around. Um, I'm, I'm still not sure how it'll work out with Zach Collins because frankly, he just needs to, Zach Collins needs at bats. Like he just has been sitting on the bench for what feels like forever and he just needs to be able to play. And that makes it harder for a guy like LaCroix to make the roster. But I think having the flexibility there is good because I still have worries about relying on Yasmani Grandal for effectively 162 games, and there's no real backup plan. Yeah, yeah, there's really not. That is scary. Um, I was going to ask you guys, too, what you thought about, like, right field options. Because just yesterday, somebody was talking to me again about, like, they sent me their, like, proposed starting lineup, and I was like, uh, I'm like, this all looks good. I don't know about right field. <laughs> you just want me to go on another ad. Of it's really yes, awesome. I do. <laughs> I will join you on that. Cool. I'm here for it. Crystal, I'll let you go first because I just <laughs> missed you. <laughs> okay. Where do I even, what do I even say about this? Just give it to dump truck, Adam Engel. <laughs> He is a little angel baby, and I love him. He's ruined himself. I'm sorry. He saved a no-hitter, so give him that start. Um, Adam Eaton is a locker room (laughs) cancer, and that alone (laughs) makes me kind of hate him. He annoyed me prior to being a Sox fan. Um, I was actually just talking to a friend who uh, lives out in D.C. and is a Nationals fan. He was like, oh, I miss him. And I was like, do you, though? Because, like, you can have him. Um, and he was like, why? Why do you hate him? And I was like, Drake. I just, Drake. <laughs> um, that whole thing was annoying. And I remember listening to my husband say, oh, my God, this guy is a total douche. So please just give it to the superior Adam E., um, just trade Adam Eaton for, I don't know, a couple beers. Baseballs. <laughs> like, just get, go. Like, we don't need to recycle garbage anymore. And that's I like that. So, please, I'll let you rant about this, too, I feel like. <laughs> With me. I've only fired you <laughs> No, I just, this is exactly what I was afraid of. And Adam Eaton has been bad. And, you know, you can only talk so much about how good he was the last time he was in a White Sox uniform. That was a long time ago. And he 
even then there were questions about his durability, how he could stay healthy throughout an entire season. There's more questions now. You do have Angle, who is a much better player, but I don't know if he's your everyday guy. So ideally, you would like to have somebody out there that can kind of handle things when Angle isn't quite himself. And I just, I don't see how Eaton's the guy. The only reason why Eaton didn't piss people off in D.C. was because he was about the eighth best player on that team. He wasn't relied upon for anything than just being the scrappy, no-name dude that just kind of did the little stuff that nobody else could do. And that's great. And if you're looking at him for that, that's fantastic. But the White Sox aren't in that position right now. They need him to be more than what he's capable of, and they're paying him more than what he's capable yeah. of. Yeah. And, you know, I I know it sounded weird when I said it, and frankly, I was shocked when I said it, but the White Sox would have been better off bringing back Nomar Mazzara than just <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> throwing Adam Engle up there, or um, Adam Eaton out there, and it's just, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true because, you know, as bad as Mazzara was, that's really the probably the worst season a hitter will ever have. Yeah. It's kind of like Adam Dunn and even, to a certain extent, Alex Rios, when they had those god-awful years in the White Sox uniforms and everybody wanted them gone. And it's like, this is as bad as a professional baseball player can play in ever. So let them kind of climb their way out of it and at least be decent before you try to get rid of them. And that's kind of what they did with Mazzara, where it's like you could have brought him back, same amount of money as Eaton, at least had some upside, and was younger. And I I just, I worry about it because I think that Larus is going to rely on him a lot because he's a veteran. But yeah. he just, he doesn't look like he has it anymore. Or maybe off the wall, um, they could have just brought Yulmer Sanchez back as a utility player, put him <laughs> out in right field because he is the opposite of a locker room cancer. He is a boy. <laughs> And I He's on Gatorade on his own head. That's how selfless he is. It'd still be better than Adam Eaton. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people under, and I get it to a certain extent, but I think a lot of people underrate, like, how important the culture is in locker rooms and with the team. Like, sometimes it is better to have somebody, maybe they're not as good, that's not toxic. Which is why I'm glad we didn't get Trevor Bauer. <laughs> I won't bring that up again. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is, this is not a podcast about I'm him. I just have this visceral reaction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm only glad he brought him up because of that stupid ESPN thing with his agent. Oh, yeah. And, Rachel. yeah, I refuse to mention, talk any about any of these people by name. Like, they will only <laughs> be referred to as the player and the agent. <laughs> oh, Rid. But um, because they were hyping her as, like, the first female agent, and it's just so inaccurate and so wrong on so many levels that not only is it not true, but there are a number of black female agents that have long been in business before she even existed, 
that they're just completely ignoring, and it's just kind of frustrating that we have to go through this again. Yeah. Also, it's like, surprise, I guess, which is really sad, because it's like, great, somebody comes along, and, and yes, the deal was huge, but also, it's like, literally, what about every other woman in sports in general? Yeah. It makes it seem like it is, and yes, it is like a highly masculine-filled, but... There are a lot of women in sports and also ones that are better. <laughs> ones that are less that toxic. Bad. I mean, yes. like there, there's a lot of baggage that comes with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that she got the deal for him and all that stuff, but I just, bleh. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. got eyes and ears everywhere. She'll block you. You are blocked by her, aren't you? Finally got to join the club. I'm not but, significant enough to get blocked yet, so. Um, I don't know what the last straw was, which makes me really sad. <laughs> I don't know what I did. She was like, you know what? Screw this girl. That's but. what I was going to ask you, Crystal. I was like, was there a specific tweet or something that got you blocked? Or I made fun of her. Someone had tweeted <laughs> her, and I made fun of her. And I retweeted something about her, you know, defending some dirtbag players, but I don't know. I'll never know. I'll just wear it like a badge of honor, though. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. I'm like, hey. <laughs> print it and frame it. Put a girl boss. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Get a little cross-stitch girl boss. It's amazing, nice. and I love it. Congratulations on that. Yeah, really. I I just I think because I don't mention it, either of them by name, I just kind of fly under the radar. I just you know respond to Keelan or other people that are saying, "Oh, did you see this latest tweet from this jackass?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, he's an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, mm, "I need blood." <laughs> <laughs> then I never get blocked because they're like, "Shut up." <laughs> Shut up, fool. Um, yeah. So, Crystal, I was curious. I think most people that listen to us, but maybe not everybody, know that you were formerly a Cubs fan. Yes. Sadly, I was. Sadly. That's okay. Been there. Feel you. I was. I was a total bandwagon. I had, like, no, no reason to claim, so it was easy for me to just, like, ditch it. Um, so now I'm a bandwagon Sox fan. But, would you tell us more about your Cub fandom mistake? Yeah, sure. So mine, mine was more deep-rooted because we didn't have – I mean, I grew up in Indianapolis. So we don't have professional team. We have the Indians that feed to the Pirates. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, they're cool, but they weren't very good. So I didn't jump on that. So you were either, you know, Reds fan, which – there are some people you like the Tigers, like no thank you. Cardinals um, <laughs> again, no thank you. Or you know the Cubs because they were the popular team. Nobody talked about the White Sox in my family, so I had like my grandpa, a couple aunts, just like people that were like, "We're Cubs fans, so you're going to be a Cubs fan." And they just started me on this trajectory of watching these games at a very, very, very young age. Um, so it was just something where I didn't know otherwise. Just you cheered for the Cubs, and that was that. 
so that was just my life for a very long time. I, you know, dated and married someone that was a Cubs fan and I'm just like, okay, this is fine. Named my daughter Addison because that's how bad it was. So, <laughs> you know, and as I kind of said, you know, this team actually isn't fun to watch. They're kind of garbage. <laughs> Like, why am I doing this to myself? And then I just, I really stopped agreeing with every single thing they stood for. Um, and then, you know, as soon as they had Chapman on their team, the whole domestic violence angle, something I really, really advocate against and do a lot of things for. I mean, I wrote a book about um, a domestic violence victim that I lost and gave all of the money back domestic violence charity. So I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is too much. Like, yeah. the mental gymnastics I have to take to support a team that lets abusers. And then they had Daniel Murphy, who's kind of, you know, known homophobic. And I was like, well, I mean, I am bi. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, yeah, you hate people like me. That's cool. So it was just it it got to a point where it was just too much for me to just let it slide and support this team and then support a team that gave so much money to the GOP and supported Trump. And I was like, I just, I physically can't do this anymore. Like it, it's draining. So yeah. it kind of became easier. Um, you know, after my divorce, I obviously remarried my now husband who was lifelong Sox fan. His whole family were Sox fans. So he just kind of kept slowly planting that seed of we're more accepting over here. Like, we'll take you in. We're a wholesome community. Um, true. That's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Our wedding night, we actually, we skipped a reception and went to the ballpark in our wedding clothes to go see a Crosstown Cup. So that was like my last real game as a Cubs fan. And I remember – Walk because Cubs won that game. I remember, you know, walking down that ramp and everyone singing Go Cubs Go. And I was like, this just doesn't feel good. Like, these people are annoying. Cubs fans (laughs) suck. Like, I always hated that fan base as a fan. And I was like, this just doesn't feel right. So I just kind of had to rediscover myself. And I finally went to a game around my birthday one year. I was like, I found some really cheap tickets let's let's go see the socks like because we're we're i mean we're in the loop so we're three stops away from the ballpark and i was like let's just let's just get on the train and let's just go see and i, I bought a white socks hat and my husband's mm-hmm. like oh are you doing this and i was like <laughs> yeah like i i think i am and you know we had fun we saw a lot of nights games like when we're here in indianapolis we would go see the Indians play the Knights a lot. So, you know, we were seeing all these younger players that I was like, hey, Nikki, like, I know Nikki Delmonico. I know these guys. I watched them. So this is an easier transition than I thought. And then I felt really welcomed. So it was it was nice. And I feel like I found my place and a team I love. And it's just so like life is so much better not being a Cubs fan. <laughs> it's just <laughs> The White Sox should use that quote in an advertisement. I know. <laughs> and I like, we need to clip just this and just retweet it over and over again. 
for, <laughs> for all of your promotional materials from here on out. Also, I look cuter in black and white. So, like, yes, what you will with that. I was just talking about that the other day. Um, I was like, this is going to sound stupid, but it, oh, yeah, it was just yesterday. I was wearing like my socks hat and a hoodie and uh, my husband was like, Oh, okay. He's like, you're a White Sox fan. I was like, it's just easy because it's black and white and I can wear whatever I want with it. And it's great. So that is a bonus for sure. <laughs> it was fun. And then my mother-in-law, I think she like nearly lost her mind. She was so excited. And my husband, Billy, kind of had told her that that was where I was going. So for my birthday, she like immediately ran out and got a brand new White Sox shirt for me. And I looked up at her as I was opening it, and she's just grinning from, like, ear to ear. She's like, you're finally, you've made it. You're here. <laughs> I can love you more. <laughs> Not that she didn't love me already, but she's like, I can love you more. We have Absolutely. this fun. That's very cute. She's and, friend. like, man, that was, like, a roller coaster of emotions through that story. Because, like, yeah, the domestic violence issue, obviously, the Ricketts problematic views and actions and the wedding <laughs> and finally the mother-in-law like, oh, yeah. they were all so happy it was yeah. the cutest that is awesome because your switch was for similar reasons wasn't it keelan um yeah so i was but i was like a bandwagon fan yeah. because i grew up also in a state without baseball or like any professional sports um, we had the Birmingham Barons, so I was more familiar with the White Sox growing up in general. Um, and of course, Michael, Michael Jordan, um, going to the Barons. But then, you know, I mean, I, the first neighborhood, like a lot of, especially young white people that moved to Chicago I lived in was Lakeview. I literally lived on Addison Street across from Guthrie's. Um, and RIP. I loved that place though, to be fair. Um, but I think living there, you know, you're in the madness and that's not that fun. But also I was like younger and I was like, this is fine. Um, but then I actually moved to Nebraska for a few months because my husband got a job there. So I lived there while obviously Ricketts is governor. And I was like, this guy's terrible. And <laughs> um and so I think just like learning about their family. And then when we moved back to Chicago, I lived again in Lakeview again. And after that last time living in Lakeview, part of it was like, I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> and then just like, yeah, the fans were kind of like kind of obnoxious, especially living in the neighborhood. Um, and yeah, like domestic violence issues um, and and other stuff, I was like, this is, I can't, I don't feel this anymore. And I think there were several times I talked to Tommy and I was like, what if I become a White Sox fan? <laughs> I just switched and he was always like very welcoming and nice about it. And he like, you never pushed me, but you're always like, yeah, come on. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and I've, I'd been to that park more anyway, because my brother's a Tigers fan and we would always go to White Sox Tigers games together. So it was already like, that park's awesome. I like it. I like it better than Wrigley, which I feel like in some areas of Chicago is like sacrilege, but I was like, it's just a better park. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it was an easy transition and everybody is so welcoming and like friendly. It's good because even being a Cubs fan at times, I was like, you don't get like the same family feeling. I feel like. It's Absolutely. just, 
it's really interesting hearing these stories because, like, as somebody that has spent all their life in Chicago, my experience with, like, the Cubs-Sox dynamic is totally different because when I was growing up, you know, people make fun of me a lot because I have a lot of older, like, Chicago sports memories because my dad at a very young age would take me to sporting events. So, like, I remember old Chicago Stadium as though I'm somehow, like, 60 years old, even though I'm not. <laughs> um, but I remember growing up, really feel like that wasn't a nice area. That was where – that was the sketchy area that people avoided. And that you didn't, like, go out after hours because you probably wouldn't make it home that night. And my dad always, it was more easy for him to get Cubs tickets than White Sox tickets. So growing up, even though I was a Sox fan, I went to more Cubs games than I went to Sox games because it was easier. They couldn't give those tickets away. The teams were terrible. And... It was really just watching a bunch of really drunk people (laughs) watch the Cubs lose, and it was obnoxious, and it was never particularly enjoyable other than getting to watch baseball. And, you know, also, too, I think about it from the, you know, accessibility standpoint, because the Sox in the early 90s, or maybe it was late 80s, I don't remember the exact time frame, um, Jerry Reinsdorf, who, as you know, is like one of the cheapest bastards around, um, had this marvelous plan for what was called uh, Sports Vision at the time, or Sports Channel, and the White Sox weren't even like televised to the general public. So for me, as a kid, it was a lot easier to watch Cubs games even than Sox games. So, like, if you look at why there are more Cubs fans generationally than there are Sox fans, it was really expensive and difficult to be a Sox fan because the Sox were good. They had just opened that uh, what is now, you know, guaranteed rate field. That opened up in 1991. They sold out basically every single game because that team was so damn good. And you had to have premium cable to watch the games on TV. And so I remember, like, certain Cubs games. Like, I remember the Kerry Wood game for, for the Cubs more than I remember certain highlights from the Sox because it just was more accessible to me. But I still didn't enjoy it. And it's just... <laughs> It's always kind of fascinating to me because, you know, you always hear the attendance jokes about, you know, the White Sox and everything else. And I just, I remember when, even when the Cubs were decent, people weren't in the stadium. And I remember going to Wrigley Field and it smelling like, you know, weak old piss because they didn't clean the stadium and it was still half empty and nobody seemed to be enjoying themselves. So they were just getting drunk on old style. Um, and whenever I think about the white Sox of old, I always think about how packed, um, at the time, you know, new Comiskey park was every single game. And I remember that 93 team, that 94 team, the, 
96 team and the shortened season and all those different teams that were absolutely stacked when you had Frank Thomas and Albert Bell and all of this pitching. And I remember meeting Ozzie Gian as a player and he was like the nicest person ever. And just like how welcoming and embracing that franchise has always been stuck with me a lot more than the accessibility of the Cubs. Yeah. And so it's just, it's always interesting hearing other people's stories in terms of what made them become a fan, especially coming from the Cubs, because it's just, it's a very interesting dynamic. And I, I think people, you know, they simplify it in terms of like blue collar versus white collar, but it's, it's, there's more to it than that, where it's just, there's a very familial aspect with being a White Sox fan that doesn't exist for most other fan bases. Yeah. And it's interesting too, you brought up the premium cable issue Mm -hmm. because I, a few weeks ago I shared that map um, that was like fandom by areas. And I yeah. was like, well, how much of this is dictated by what games they play on TV? Exactly. exactly. That's all I could think about. And then I think somebody replied to that map saying like, oh, I've never like, are there White Sox fans outside of Chicago? Um, and I was like, yeah. And I kind of like, obviously like in Alabama with the Barons, and I'm sure it's the same with like other minor league team areas. Yep. Um but also, like, there, there are plenty of people we see that are definitely outside of the Chicago area. Maybe it's because they moved away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I always chalked it up. I would think it was cable TV. Absolutely. Or, yeah. yeah. And, and like I you said, think, generational things. I think you're starting to see the inverse of that now, too, because it's the Cubs now that have kind of privatized their business where they have the marquee network, and most people aren't watching <laughs> <laughs> that that channel and the socks are the ones that are on basic cable that are getting the you know the national exposure on games so i i really think probably in about 5 to 10 years you'll see a wholesale switch where there will be a lot more open socks fans that used to not have really any sort of skin in the game because they didn't necessarily pay attention to baseball but they're exposed to a lot more now yeah. Cool. I mean, it's baby White Sox fans, so we're trying Absolutely. to keep that generational thing on the better side of town now. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tommy, now that you've left the area, if I can share that. Sorry if I wasn't supposed to. Okay, like how do you think that will continue for uh, your family? So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a secret. but You're in I, Braves country. Am I? I don't even know if this is Braves country. I think so. I, isn't okay. that the? I think that's the only like professional baseball team within like. There's a that. minor league baseball team here. Well, <laughs> there you go. That's good. <laughs> um. So, Crystal, I'm in Columbia, South Carolina, and we <laughs> moved out here whoa, like a week and a half ago, two weeks now, and really, it was just. A, for the weather, B, cost of living, and just general political bullshit in Chicago just got to be too much for this this lifelong Chicagoan where it's like, hey, I need to not be here 
<laughs> that is fair. Um, so, you know, now that I'm down here, for one, the minor league team is called the Fireflies, and they have glow-in-the-dark jerseys, which I just need to throw out there, because that's, like, the coolest shit ever. But <laughs> I love minor league baseball, and I wish that Major League Baseball would recognize how important even stupid shit like that. <laughs> it's great. Because that's how you attract people to the game of baseball. And it shouldn't matter that they're not ever going to make it to the majors. You're still growing the game. And if you give a shit about that at all, this is what you would embrace. Um, but, you know, same time. We're two hours away from the Charlotte Knights. So I hear a lot more about the Knights than I do anything else. So by extension... I don't know if they are, but I just make the assumption that they are White Sox fans. But you're correct that we're also near Atlanta. But I, I, I get the sense that there's so many transplants here that it's not as much Braves country as it maybe should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what Crystal was kind of talking about in terms of growing up without any professional sports teams, that was like the team if you lived in obviously Georgia, but also Alabama. Mississippi might have gone with some, like, Texas teams. Um, okay. But still, it was like everybody's a Braves fan. And then there's Florida, which doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> Florida has a lot of Sox fans, though. Good. Because that's, um, that's where Jerry Reinsdorf was threatening to pack his bags when he um, threatened the city of Chicago. <laughs> and I say that in air quotes because his his threat was to move the White Sox to Sarasota, which just saying that out loud makes me laugh. But that's that was his threat was that the Sarasota Sox were going to be a thing, <laughs> and that they had bought and signed off on the stadium that he was going to move the the Sox to unless Daly ponied up the dollars to give him the stadium stadium he wanted. Jeez. He won, so, you know, it worked out, but it was just, I, I still think it's funny that it's like, really? Sarasota? How many people are you going to get? Yeah. Also, I think a lot of people just retire. Yeah. 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 I try yeah. to avoid Florida at all costs. It's like, <laughs> you know, that would not have worked for me. <laughs> yeah, good old Sarasota socks. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it it is interesting, though, just kind of how the fan dynamic plays out. Because I even remember in um, going to school in Champaign that it was very much White Sox or Cardinals fans. And the Cubs fans were the vocal minority. And that was kind of surprising to me because I always expected it to be like, oh, once you go far enough south, everybody's just a Cardinals fan, but it it is a very interesting dynamic. That is interesting. Uh, When I lived in Nebraska, everybody was a Cubs fan. Yeah. (laughs) You were too far from Naperville to be around the Cubs fans if you were in Southern Illinois, so. (laughs) (laughs) I alienated 20 people. That's all right. (laughs) Half them. We don't have to make a safe or a explicit language now because I said Ethel. <laughs> oh boy. No, so I don't know. You, you, you've made them angry. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, Joe. That's all I can. It's okay. They've 
they've run, they've come with me, so that's fine. <laughs> so speaking of fandom, how do we feel about the chances of making it out to a White Sox game um, this year? If I get fully vaccinated, I probably will try, honestly, if I'm vaccinated by the summer. And Indiana's moving really fast with it, so there's a chance. Um, Do you think it'll be allowed? I don't know. Um, I will drive to somewhere that it is. That's true, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm pretty, I mean, I'm really close to Ohio, so... If I need to go down, or if I need to go over there, maybe. I just miss beer and baseball, honestly. It's, it's all I need in my life. That's like the serotonin that's been lacking this whole quarantine. Beer and baseball. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing music concerts, and that, that's just like where I, I've been at for, for a while. YouTube videos aren't cutting it for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> got super depressed because I finally received my refund for um, I was supposed to go see Delta Spirit. It was a birthday gift for my husband. Um, oh, no. February 2020, they were supposed to be here in like oh. April of last year and then they postponed it to August and then they finally sent out an email they're like, we're just not going to do this. So I got my 60 bucks back and it was like, I just wanted to see them. Yeah. <laughs> them, but it's okay. That sucks. Didn't want your sixty dollars back. I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I think. I think they will reopen. I think. I mean, if they want to push to reopen schools, if businesses are reopening, I think the stadiums will be open. Maybe they're being like, "Oh no, 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 we didn't say that." But I mean, at they the rate for Bears games. What? They didn't open for Bears games. Yeah. I feel like they will for. Baseball games, especially if, and maybe later, it may not be like opening day. Yeah. I think, but like in summer, they will. Because I think what I last read, the trajectory for vaccinations was like every adult by May or end of May or something. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at that point, if they're opening restaurants and bars and and maybe the stadiums can't be like packed, maybe they'll be like. Limited. Yeah. I don't see why they wouldn't. And not to say I don't have like personal opinions about any of how coronavirus or has been handled at all, but I can't see that justification holding up against all the other things they've opened. So, cause it seems like we're going with mostly the economy and people getting restless at this point. Right. So that, that's what I think will happen. Maybe it'll be June or something, but maybe we'll get to go to a baseball game this year. That would be birthday baseball for me. That was your birthday. June 19th. Last year was the first year I had to miss birthday baseball. We're June bugs. June. We're both June. Really? Yeah. Yeah. June 8th. June 14th. Three of us. Yeah. Gemini. Yeah. (laughs) Go Gemini. I I remember, because there were two things that I was looking forward to last year, and this is how naive I was when the pandemic first hit. I was like, all right, I have tickets to Lollapalooza. And I'm going to see a baseball game on my birthday, as is tradition. Those were the two things that I was like, no matter what, those are the things that are going to happen. No. Both got canceled, and I was just like, 
Fuck, the one year I make plans for the summer. This is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so we were looking at tickets because I am I am a big Andrew McCutcheon fan. Like he is my favorite player. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone at all. So my husband has never been to PNC and I think that's probably the oh coolest ballpark yeah. in the world. Yeah. So we were looking at tickets and they said, you know, the Pirates play the Phillies in Pittsburgh around Mother's Day. I am a mother. <laughs> um, so therefore I deserve to be gifted with this. So he said, okay, yes. we'll do it. You know, let's just spend like the whole weekend in Pittsburgh because it's a cool city and you can see Andrew McCutcheon because I have seen him every single year of his career, like mm-hmm. since he started, because I watched him in the minors because he played in Indianapolis. Indianapolis, yeah. So the first year I missed him was when he tore his ACL and I sobbed violently for a few days because we also had tickets then to go out and see oh, him. No. Um, you know, that, that was just my thing of like always seeing Andrew McCutcheon play and he was going to be back last season. So we were going to go to Pittsburgh and then. That obviously fell to the wayside, and I was like, we're just not meant to have fun this year. It's fine. (laughs) I'll just be sad forever. Fun is outlawed. (laughs) It's like Footloose, no fun. Just wanted pierogies and Andrew McCutcheon. Like, that was all I wanted in my life. You can see it's a beautiful park, though. It is stunning. I, I haven't been to an actual game there, but I did visit, and I was just like, wow, they did a hell of a job with this ballpark. Because I'm still on a mission to visit every single ballpark if I if I can in, in the next couple of years. Whenever you know we can actually travel and do such fun things again, but maybe next year I'll be in. Maybe, maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which ones do you want to go to most besides that one? I don't know. I mean, the big one for me was actually seeing a live game at Fenway Park. Like, being able to... Because I had done the tour of Fenway Park twice, which is cool because you get to, like, go up to the Green Monster and, like, walk around. You don't get to touch the field, but you can walk on the dirt by the field because they get mad at you if you try to touch the field. But um, actually seeing a game there was just something truly unique. And that I definitely, um, you don't get from any other ballpark. Like, even as much as people talk about Wrigley, like, it doesn't have that same level of buzz. Um, I think maybe, besides PNC, um, it's an odd choice, but I've actually heard really, really good things about Detroit Stadium, and I would like to visit there. It's pretty good. Yeah. There's, like, that whole, like, outfield, um, like, amusement park type theme going on there that I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of – this is going to sound really corny, but, like – not corny, just weird. One of the reasons I liked it is because when I went, it was really hot, and they had, uh, like, frozen alcoholic beverages, which I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound weird at all. That's it amazing. Got, it was awesome. There's they a reason why rosé is a thing. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were huge. The only thing was they were, like, really sugary, so I was like, 
I'm hammered <laughs> after like half a drink. But it was great for the hot weather, kind of, kind of a mix. But yeah, there's like a yeah the amusement park in it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. feel like it'd be good if you, especially if you have kids. But I mean, I was there without kids, and I was like, this rules. <laughs> and the big like the tigers. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I've heard really good things about um, Cincinnati's ballpark too. Yeah, Great America's that that's really neat because being in such close proximity to it, I spent a lot of time there at any baseball games growing up. Yeah, that that ballpark is cool. I yeah. admit it as much as I don't really care for the Reds, but like, <laughs> yeah, I loved it there. They also had Cherry Coke, and most ballparks don't have that, so that's a pretty big deal. I was so excited. <laughs> I didn't even drink that night. We got drunk after. But I was like, they have Jerry Coke, Nicole. (laughs) And I was like, yes, this is the best day ever. Yeah. Yeah. The food and drink really stands out a lot whenever I go most places, which is probably another reason I became a Sox fan, because I was like, this is amazing. All the food here is great. And And I think that's like the hidden subtext to that recent report that came out that said Sox fans drink more at games than any other (laughs) fandom. So I was like, have you seen our beer selection? Yes, we drink more. Like, these are beers that you can't get anywhere else. Of course we do. <laughs> and it's cheap. Like, yeah. it's not like Wrigley Field where it's like, hey, $50 for a Miller Lite or a Bud Light. Yeah. And then at Wrigley, I mean, you're so smashed in there. And the yeah. lines are crazy. Crazy. Yeah, anyway. yeah there's just beer everywhere. <laughs> it's great. Because I, I remember, oh, it was it was a rain-delayed game, and we got tickets in the bleachers. So since it was raining, we were like, all right, let's go to the craft cave. The line for the craft cave was so long that I finished a beer and got a second beer, and I hadn't even checked out yet. I'm like, I'm just, this is this is going to be my life. Like, I'm just going to be hammered <laughs> before the game even starts because everybody's down here and you have all these coolers of beer that's just like, oh, I want to try that. I want to try that. I want to try that. That's wonderful. the thing I miss. Like, you know, all the beer and the brats and the, you know, all the food options. I miss the churros the most. The churros too, yeah. I made them like I whole, like homemade churros. I made them last year for opening day, and I decorated Aww. my house. Like, oh my gosh, that's awesome! We put the game. I want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel inspired right now. Ballpark food and these little mini churros, and they're so good. <laughs> I even made little pin deals and put them up like on the living room wall. And my husband was like, "This is." Insane, like why it's creative. But you should have. this year. Where you like just say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he knows. Awesome. He knows how extra I can be when it comes to <laughs> decorating for like any event. Like I am an event planner, so he knows. That's awesome. I, uh, you can come decorate my house. I'll help, but I'm not very crafty. But I appreciate crafts. I'm always like. Ah. That's so cool. <laughs> I will make and cook and decorate for you. It'll be fun. I'll pay you money <laughs> or just company. Yeah. I'll buy the supplies. Like, I'll just eat all of your food. <laughs> I'll try to be helpful. I feel like, I feel like I'll make churros. 
Okay, good. I feel like that's what it's like when I'm with my mom. I'm like, I'll help you. And she's like, no, get just get out of the way. You're not helpful <laughs> at all. <laughs> okay. What are you guys going to do for opening day? Do you have any plans? It's so late. I'm going to be half asleep. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm hoping that if this whole Southside Sox YouTube live thing works out, I, I really want to do just, like, a virtual party because – Going through one, like, non-opening day, like, kind of by myself at home thing was hard enough. I don't think I can do two years in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it is going to be late, though. I'm not looking forward to that late of the start time. Yeah. Especially being on East Coast time now. I'll, I'll just be like, all right, let me set the alarm. It'll be like when I was watching <laughs> Korean baseball. I'll be like, all right, let me set the alarm. I'll wake up at 2 in the morning, and I'll tune in. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can just drink some coffee and hang out on the exactly. live. Exactly, yeah. That's all yeah. I can ask for this year. I'll stay up, but I might get drunk. It's fine. It'll be yes, fine. Yes, you should. <laughs> I'll be like, hi, guys. <laughs> you are our future 108, you know, entrant, so... I believe in you. We're gonna make it this year. Maybe all of us. I'm not cool enough. I I know you're in for a fact. I'm on the fence. I'll probably be like the person that has to like fight for the 108 draft, and then I'll face off against like Janice and get like destroyed <laughs> the first round. It's like, why do I even bother fighting for this? Like, it's not worth it. I mean, at least it would be a swift death. Yeah, swift and peaceful. You know. You're like, why? I don't even need to try. Just take yeah, me. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also voted for the other person. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, what I have paying for her now. Yeah. It's like, just take her. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> take the shining star. <laughs> we all love her. You know they're just going to pit all of the, like, ladies of Southside Sox together in the first round, so it'll be a bloodbath. I don't think so. They were pretty good about spacing everyone out last time. Maybe. I, I would totally be a pacifist in that case. I'd be like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not good at this stuff. I'd be like, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to promote myself very well. So. So you're but, not going to get like a cameo of like Scott Pitsetnik or some other random O5 Sox player that's like, hey, I am. Enter name here. I'll just you have, should vote for. <laughs> I'm gonna sell my own cameos. <laughs> I don't need a cameo. You can buy mine. I'm like, hi, happy birthday to your grandma. So she has no idea who I am and why would she? But that's okay. <laughs> she doesn't care. But here I am anyway. Yeah. I'll, uh, At least if I do it, I could just pretend to be, like, other, you know, black actors or, or musicians <laughs> that, like, people just don't know. It's like, hi, I'm Lionel Richie. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy Hello. your cameo. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I would totally buy that. <laughs> I'm Denzel Washington. This is John Legend, and I support you. <laughs> For the one yeah, Okay. This, this is a true story. When I was in college, 
there were because I had like a mini fro puff happening in college, and, and you're nodding your head because you know this already. Um, there were so many people that said I looked like John Legend in college, and I was like, I did no. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> your chance to shine, you can catfish the unknown. Right, exactly. Just put me behind a piano, you know. <laughs> I think it's your eyes. Well, besides the fact that you're black, but also the, the eyes. <laughs> you're black and you have eyes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you have teeth <laughs> and smile. Uh, when I, I used to get Paris Hilton a lot Did when you? I was in college. Thank you. Yeah, and I was always like, I don't know. My hair was a lot blonder, but other than that. I, I know. Like, and, but I feel like that's like that. You're tall and skinny and blonde, therefore you look like Paris Hilton? Exactly. I remember driving my car. I was in New Orleans and driving my car, and some man was like, roll down your window. And I was like, oh, God. And I, was, I thought something was, like, wrong with my car. It was, on a, it was on Canal Street, so it was kind of busy, so I wasn't too worried. I was like, what? And he was like, you look like Paris Hilton. Oh, my like, gosh. I'm kind yeah. of offended. I don't get Thank anyone. You. I don't have a celebrity doppelganger until – Someone recently said Regina Spector, and I was like, Thank "Yeah, you. I can see that." I remember the Regina Spector one, and I totally see that. Like, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. did too. Any time anybody was like, "You look like this person," I feel like you. I've thought that before too about you. Like, yeah. you do. Please continue to tell me. <laughs> hype me up. She is beautiful. Yes, yeah. and I think the hair definitely like plays into it. But yeah. Yes. But even the eyes, yeah. Yeah, the eyes, yeah, too. I can absolutely see it. Thank you. She's, um, I'm in love with her, so thank you. Okay, so we all can impersonate celebrities. Yep. And Crystal will be the only one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how this works on video, but I think we're supposed to take a commercial break anyway. And I, I don't know how that works, but we're going to pretend to take a commercial break. So, cheers. And Yay. that's usually when Keelan and I impersonate Michael McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy that segment. <laughs> do it, Tommy. You do it first. I do it first? Why? Yeah, because it's your time to go. <laughs> yeah, you actually sound good, though. <laughs> so if you just record in black and white on Cameo, maybe you can do that. There yeah. we go. You could be him. No. I, yeah, no, I'll just be in the shadows. And I'll just be yeah. like, Hello, I'm Michael McDonald. <laughs> just give some, like, really, like, foundation. Yeah. I'm here to sponsor Tommy for what a late tournament. Here you go, Patrol. Yes. <laughs> Please do that. I can do that. That works. <laughs> you can't. They were back from commercial break. No, keep going. You can't. You can't cut any of that part that we just had. Oh, I'm not cutting anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. I used to get Pharrell a lot too. This brings us back to Daft Punk. Man, that song. Oh, all roads lead to Daft Punk. They do. Even the road of death. Wow. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
die. They just stopped making music. They did die in a way. <laughs> no, one of them exploded themselves. That's totally different. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Pardon my mistake <laughs> about explosions and not death. <laughs> good, good dark turn for this White Sox podcast. That's how it plays out sometimes. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it, so, it takes us a minute to get back in the Yeah, yeah, So, Crystal, have you been writing any pieces lately for I, Southside Sox or other publications? I have. I need to get back into Southside Sox writing. Um, I've been behind on that. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. Poor Brett. He's like, can you just participate, please? Um, like, can you pretend like you do something? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Quit sounding like you did on a podcast and do something. Um, but no, I do. I do plan to do a lot more this season with Southside Sox, and I've been working with Overtime Heroics. Actually, right before this, they started a piece about three players. I think will have a bounce back season, and it'll probably be boring because it's probably just going to be. All of these pitchers really sucked last year, so no one else did, despite having COVID. Um, Moncada didn't even suck. So, yeah, been working on that. He kind of sucked. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, he, he kind of sucked. He, but, see, and I, mean, I bring him up in this, but at the same time, he was like a finalist for a gold glove, so how bad do you have to suck if you were still a finalist? Oh, but, I mean, okay, for one, it's third base. So it's like if you have a glove, you <laughs> are automatically in the running for that position. We have ourselves a finalist, and he's just really like, do you stop the ball. Stuff? Yes. Okay, you're a finalist. Like. <laughs> Although I wonder, I do I wonder do how authentic those awards were last year with the Cy Young winner that we'll not mention, but you know. So. Well, you knew he was going to win the Cy Young, though. No? Yeah. All right. right. But, yeah, so I've been working on that, and it's been fun to just have my voice in multiple places. And just, like, people actually sort of care, and sometimes they yell at me for my bad takes, but that's okay. That's showbiz, baby. Yeah. I love that. I, I don't even think you have bad takes. Like, that's why I think it's funny that people get so irrationally mad about the things that you say. Because I'm like, none of this is controversial. Like, <laughs> I think some people just like to be mad. Where I was like, whoa, Crystal's really putting herself out there. <laughs> <by saying. laughs> yeah, I got flamed when I wrote about Tony LaRussa. But I I was- oh, well, I feel like that's like not, it's like a divisive thing. I'm sorry. It shouldn't be, though. Like, it's just, like, especially when you wrote that article, it was, it should have been the pulse of 99% of the White Sox fan base, and the 1% should have been the people that were fine with it because they remember the good old days when La Russa was good and had a computer game named after him, <laughs> but not necessarily, like, which is what you got and I could not understand why because I'm like none of this follows any sort of logical pattern 
that people should be okay with. <laughs> Welcome to the internet. But well, it, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> My voice counts. Say, though, it's still good press. It got me views. So yeah, honestly, yeah. if you want to yell at me, that's fine. Just share the article with your friends about how angry you are and how I'm an idiot. And it's cool. Yeah. I'll take it because I'm not. I'm not afraid of anybody, and I'm going to stick up for myself. Hell yeah. But, so, like, it's, it just blew my mind, because I was like, I can't believe Tony LaRusso found this many people on Twitter to support him. And that was just like, I, I was I was surprised by it, but, yeah. Well, and I think, too, people are so uh, people are so focused on winning. I mean, we've talked about this in the past. and they're But they're equating winning with, like, oh, well, he's won, like, what, three other rings? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. but when was the last three one? Three years and, ago. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, and like, okay, not that long ago, but also, like, yeah. It's Even just, if somebody does, it's like, we're talking about two different issues here, too. Like, winning, yes, okay, sure. To your point, Tommy, that that was a while ago. But also, like, the other issue of, like, personality. Yeah. But I also, I posted an article recently that was, I think it was in the Trib, where somebody was talking about, like, a lack of charismatic leadership mm-hmm. from coaches. And I was like, but that's like a, another issue. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. And it's like all these different facets that people focus on. And it's like, I don't know what we're looking for. Preferably I mean, not somebody that's a drunk driver, I, but he's more charismatic. So it's not a, a good comparison, but for shits and giggles, if John Madden were to come out of retirement and coach the Chicago bears, <laughs> Everyone would lose their shit. <laughs> but John Madden was just as successful as Tony LaRusa and just as revolutionary during the same time frame. And it's like if you are okay with one, you should be okay with the other. And Madden doesn't come with the baggage of driving drunk every time he decides to go out for a drink. So I mean I that's where I just I don't I appreciate the fact that Tilly Russa seems to be somewhat humbled enough to take this as a opportunity for him to prove himself, but I don't understand the people that are like, I'm tired of talking about it. He did his time. He did. <laughs> he hasn't done anything. Like there no. are people that have literally done less, but have had to do more to try to prove themselves. than yeah. this man just got out of bed and got a phone call from an owner that's like, hey, I want to make you a manager. Like, yeah. where the fuck does that happen? Yeah. I mean, see all women and people of color within the organization doing all of the work and yeah. still getting rewarded. And then, oh, let's just bring this retired drunk driving manager back up because he did good a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> and he's my boy. Well, yeah, because you yeah. fired him. Like, let's not even forget the reason why we're feeling bad. He fired him 35 <laughs> years ago and feels bad about it. Like, come on. Yeah. Yay. I'm <laughs> feeling so good about this team now. <laughs> I want him to succeed. Like, I do. I want him to succeed. I want them to win a championship. But I'm going to have my opinions. And yeah. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion, be it right or wrong. It's fine. It's whatever. So 
Yeah, I mean, it, the whole Tony LaRusso situation is honestly the most compromised I can ever remember being as a Sox fan, where it's just like, none of this feels good. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you got Rick Hahn up there looking like a hostage victim where he's just kind of like, mm, the organization thought this was the right choice, and I like my job. And and it's not like I would, you know, he was going to get Stewart if he had hired A.J. Hinch, and I get that. But that would have made more sense than bringing somebody out of retirement that doesn't seem to still have a feel for the game. And I think it'll – I honestly think it'll work out because – they surrounded LaRusso with such strong coaching. Yeah. Like, I, I think we should definitely not underestimate the influence that the coaches have on how things are going because Minichino, Katz, and, um, you know, they're all getting a lot more input and influence than most coaches do. And I think that's part of the reason why is because they're looking at it as, Here's LaRusso's opportunity to just kind of manage things from a very high level, but he's not in an active coaching role the way that most managers would be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's one reason it's kind of like, I think it's been, it sucks, but for me it's been easier to, well, obviously he does something again. It's going to be. Oh, yeah, he does something uh, again. Well, and gets caught or it's publicized. Like, who knows at this point? Yeah, it has been covered up, but also what will be. Um, so I hope not. And also his responses as far as being like <laughs> fame, favorite baseball person, like, you know, uh, I mean, that he obviously when he says things like that, it's like, do you care? Like, or or if Tim, a way for us to know. Or if Tim Anderson does a bat flip and it's like, oh, is this going to be controversial because. Oh, nice. Look at that. <laughs> My athletic play, Tim Anderson shirt. The irony of that shirt, because we want the kids to play until they play the way that we don't want them to, yeah. and then we get angry and throw baseballs at them. Yeah. So, I mean, really, if, if <laughs> I have to hear Tony LaRusso one more time talk about, like, the sincerity of actions, I I, I will flip a table over. <laughs> But I don't, I mean, it doesn't seem like I don't get the sense that Tim Anderson's going to stop flipping. I mean, he's more spicy. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. He he hasn't done anything. Like, even last year, he didn't flip the bat once. So, I mean, he hasn't been that brash on the field. It's been more off the field, but. It seems like every player has been able to kind of maintain their edge or competitive nature and has been, you know, celebrated for for that. Um, even Kopech seems to have really taken to the bullpen, which I'm just shocked by because I yeah. thought he was going to bitch his way into the rotation because he he, before last year, 
when they talked about him starting in the bullpen, he was so adamant about being a starter. I just really assumed that he was going to force his way in. Maybe some dad dad energy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh man, I gotta keep my job. <laughs> I kind of like him, though, where he's at now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, like, before the season started, I was like, or I know the season hasn't started, but before spring training started, I was like, I don't know. Um, But, yeah, so far, it's like, okay. No, the team has taken a shape that I think is kind of the best case scenario because a lot of questions that I had – Around the end of the rotation, Kopech, Rodon, even Lopez, like if you have those guys tucked away and you're using them in relief roles or you have openers and closers for your fifth starter instead of a true fifth starting pitcher, okay, all of that works to the advantage of the guys that they have. I still think it comes down to how much depth. Does the team have and what what is available on the pipeline when Eloy runs into a wall or Adam Eaton sneezes and goes on the DL for a month? (laughs) Like what what does that look like then when things start falling apart? Yeah, because that was like one of the worst things last year. Um, Well, through the season, but then and it was even an abbreviated season. Now it's like. Yeah. Of the the long you have one. A full so it's like, now. Yeah, so it's going to be way different. It is. And that's that's oh, one I reason think. I think it's hard to even though I feel positively like, generally positive, it is hard to be like, well, most of these guys like we haven't even seen most of these guys play together for a full season. Or just see what they're capable of because you yeah. have Robert, you know, Mandrigal who played well in a shortened season, but 162 games is a totally different animal and yeah. and how are they going to respond to that? Yeah, absolutely. My only fear is someone not staying healthy and it just completely dismantling every single thing they just built that season. <laughs> yeah. Is there a player that you're more afraid of than others? Yasmani oh, Grandal. Okay, that's fair. That's, that's the one that if he's out, that's what worries me the most because – we don't know how anyone else is going to be as a backup catcher because Zach Collins hasn't exactly proven his worth, um, in my opinion at least. So he's the one that scares me the most if he's injured or just out for an extended period. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point because um, Collins seems to be more comfortable catching than I would expect, but at the same time, he hasn't done any, like, he hasn't been in a pressure situation. Like, even with Renteria, like, he always made sure that if Collins was catching, it was like day two, like the second game of a doubleheader with a minor league pitcher where none of the starters were playing, and it was just kind of like, all right, kid, go out there and catch the ball. Don't worry about calling a game. I worry about that for that reason. Um, that's why I think that, you know, having Lucroy in the back pocket is helpful mm-hmm. because catchers, I mean, you're, you're looking at probably a hundred, 120 games max out of Grandal as, as a starter. Um, but it's, um, 
you know, and then you'll have people that are chiming for Yerman Mercedes too, that looks great as long as a curveball is not being thrown and he isn't catching a baseball. I, I'd probably rather rather see him in right field than behind the plate. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you guys watched that video when Tim Anderson was mic'd up and he was like, <laughs> he's like, you look like a, you're not a Mercedes, you look like a Buick. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Yeah. It's true though. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, honestly though, if I, alright, I'm, here's my bold prediction. I saved it for the, you know, one hour and 15 minutes in, but here we go. <laughs> I think Mikermit Adolfo will end up making an impact on the Major League roster this year. Well, that is bold. Because I, I look at the outfield depth that is non-existent, and I could see a situation where if Micker gets hot that first month in May – once minor league uh, baseball starts, Adam Eaton continues to Adam Eaton and <laughs> kind of exist on on for no reason. I, I could see a situation where he may end up having some meaningful at bats. Now, does that bode well for the White Sox? Probably not, but I, I could see that happening. Do you have any bold, other bold predictions? Or, Crystal, do you have any? <laughs> I did think. <laughs> bold. My bold prediction is that Nick Madrigal is going to also have a very heavy but amazing impact this year. I am going to completely stand him once again this year. Um, yeah, he's going to be great. That's my bold prediction. I I'm stand excited. him as long as he stops running into outs. <laughs> Yeah. I I like yeah. him a lot, but oh my god, does he have the case of the red ass that just makes me not in love with him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that this season though, I mean, obviously that that was pretty bad, but like different coaching staff, he's a little more is more experience under his belt, different team. Like, do you think he, he'll have learned from his mistakes? <laughs> Hopefully, I mean he has a go. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say I think with I think they I think they really did need a refresh, and this new coaching staff is going to help. And I think a lot of those things that were just awful last year, they're going to try to fine tune. And I think he'll be a lot better. I mean, we've seen improvements with Dylan Cease. We've seen. I mean, I think we're just going to continue to see these improvements because this coaching staff has refreshed this young team. So that's why I'm, that's why I think he's going to be great this year. I think they're going to fix him a lot. Oh yeah. I'm I'm a huge Nick Madrigal fan. Um, I know I'm hard on him, but I also look at where he should fit in, and I think best case scenario, he's going to be like a Dustin Pedroia type. Worst case scenario, I could see him, you know, maybe hitting like Epstein type tier where it's like you're a high contact hitter, but maybe not offering much beyond that. Um, but I just, he has such a huge chip on his shoulder. <laughs> it's just like every time, like 
you're you're still young. Like you have your whole career ahead of you. You don't need to be Tony Gwen right now. So as much as I'm enjoying like the Mr. Three Thousand shirts and and everything else, I just I don't want him to put that level of yeah. on himself because we've seen it happen before. Like you know, I I, I think about you know, with Gordon Beckham, like, the same type of idea where it's just, like, getting in your own head of trying to prove that you're this elite talent and it kind of backfiring. I just, I don't want him to put that much pressure on himself. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you, uh, a few episodes ago, you compared him to Adam Eaton a little bit. And <laughs> now that's been haunting he, he me ever since then. Brand of <laughs> I don't think he'll ever say that an 11 year old boy is his mentor, but like I just, <laughs> I still just worry based on some of the things that he's said and done already. It's like, all right, tone it down. Like you're you're not. People don't pay to see you play baseball yet. Like you're not at that level. You you can bring it down a notch. It's okay. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> we're like. End of conversation. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> what predictions do you have, Keelan? Oh, my God, I have none. <laughs> That's not true. What have I told you I've predicted? I've predicted the stadium opening. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Again, I, I don't know that I have. I think they'll be okay because, like, what you both have brought up, the the staffing changes. I do think they'll run out of gas a little bit with the longer season. Um, so I feel like, you know, at least he'll kind of poop out a little bit, but maybe it seems like he's had a bit of a slow ish start to this year. So please not having like a sophomore slump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm not predicting that, but like worried about that. Um, and then mainly I'm going to keep standing Adam Engle. <laughs> I have too much faith in him. Okay. <laughs> but, I don't know. I hope, yeah, for left and right fields, you know, those are both covered because we didn't really ever solve those problems. So it's no. just going to be interesting to see. That's why I don't predict anything because I'm like, I honestly have no idea. But, yeah, if any one of these certain people get injured, we're screwed in quite a few areas. I don't feel as bad about pitching now. Luis Robert. I, I I know one of the reasons why a lot of the predictive analysis for the White Sox was so low is because of the pitching. I actually think that'll be a strength. Yeah. How LaRusse is going to use them. Um, but I I do have those same concerns around depth where it's just like for every gain – they're, they're they're making over here. I feel like this is kind of like mm, yeah. Well, I don't know. On a roll signing pitchers for a while when we were like waiting for news to come out, which is great. So there is that there, which is nice because it was like stressful, especially um, like towards the end of the season being like, Oh God, who's going in? And then how long can they last? And then yeah, that last game where it was like crochet and Dane Dunning. And then I forgot who we even put in after that, but it was like, okay, there's pretty like, what are we going to do yeah. now? Like that was stressful, but it is interesting how many holes have still not been covered. As far as depth. So, yeah, I think that's obviously not a prediction, but for a, a longer season, like. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's where 
you know, I think one of the interesting things that I, I, I think has come up and just kind of the narrative about the White Sox in general has been the how much of the White Sox really done in terms of a rebuild? Like, did they just really press the reset button because they didn't like what Sale and Eaton were doing? And it was like, all right, we're shipping you away, and then we're going to do it our own way and bring you back in when we have an identity. But I look at guys like Blake Rutherford, um, you know, a lot of those other outfielders that the White Sox have brought in that haven't done anything and you're still seeing the gaps there. Like, if the Sox trade for an outfielder, that's a risk because you're probably giving up some of the key bullpen arms that are going to be crucial for this year. But then you look at the depth that's there, there really isn't a lot there, which is why I brought up Micah Rodolfo, because it's just like, I, I don't know what else you have um, to really help offset the, the lack of depth if something happens. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Which is why giving Adam Eaton $8 million was a bad idea. Uh, oh. Fuck you for doing it. Damn I feel it. like I'd kind of like healed and not gotten over it, but I was like not thinking about it as much. And now that we talked about it again, I'm like, <laughs> no, it, it may, this is why I get uncontrollably angry whenever I think about Adam Meaton, because it's just like you are making so much money to be not great at baseball, <laughs> and now there are no other options because we invested all this money in you, and now we're screwed. Yeah. Yay. He just signs a new young leader in the clubhouse, they He'll have his power back. He'll be good again. <laughs> Maybe it's like Tim Anderson's girls will be the new leaders. <laughs> kind of, that would rule. <laughs> I don't see that happening. I, I can see Adam Eaton now. I like their swag. I want to emulate their swag. <laughs> I can think of who else is like young kids that can lead the White Sox into victory. I don't think anybody else brings their kids around the clubhouse as much as, uh, you know, Drake LaRoche used to exist at the clubhouse. It's okay. It's, it's good. It's Probably a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I still think that's creepy and weird, but yeah, my it's funny because I, one day on Reddit, uh, this somehow that story was like trending. It was like pretty far up, and my husband read it, and he doesn't like pay attention to baseball really, and he was like, "I just read this about the White Sox." <laughs> he was like, "That's really weird," and I was like, "Yeah." It was a dark time. <laughs> That's pretty weird. <laughs> I mean, I I still think it's funny because it was really, I think it was Jimmy Rollins that started the whole thing. <laughs> and I just, I always imagine how Jimmy Rollins must have felt. You know, he signed this contract. He's at the end of, like, his illustrious 16-year career. And he's like, Yo, man, you got like a twelve-year-old running the clubhouse. Like this shit's weird. Like you should probably stop. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure there's no scenario where you imagine going out that way, where it's like this is the club that you're riding with on your last contract. Like this is what you have to work with. <laughs> 
(laughs) That was the same year as the whole cutting up the jerseys thing, right? Yeah, so that was just a dumpster fire year for him to be in my house. Wasn't that the same year that Samarja and Sale tried to get into the Royals' dugout to fight the players? I think so, yeah. It was a dark time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, oh my god. Well, and I was pretty, I was pretty new into my relationship with my now husband, and I remember all of this coming out, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong? Like, I know my team has issues, but what is, what is going on over there? Yeah, it's like coming. That was on, a dark time. Yeah, coming on later, I'm like, fuck? it's interesting, but also like, if you if you guys went through that, then we're gonna be okay. Hire. Hiring this drunk coach. So we're just over. We'll be fine. I hope. <laughs> I we'll hope be so. Fine. We have a guy that makes cool music and music videos. We're in man man rompers. We're good. Yeah. I, I think that we should all buy those and wear those on that live if it happens. I would love to. I'd I'd do it. It looks comfortable. I really- I hope he uses that as his walk-up music. That's all I have to say. Did he say he was going to? Yeah, I think somebody Did asked him. He? Okay. Yeah. He said he was going to. He needs to, because he needs to own that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did, which rules. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's actually kind of catchy. I'm, I'm a little surprised. Yeah. It's better than Vin Diesel's single was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I wish I had never remembered it. Thanks, Tommy. (laughs) Also better than Kim Kardashian single. Also true. I don't even know if I know that, and I don't want to know it. Oh, you don't. What about Paris Hilton's song? Uh, That was a bop. It was good. You did a great job with that. Yeah, you did a good job. I I still get royalties. Thank you. (laughs) That's hot. Congrats on your recent engagement, by the way. Thank you. She got engaged? I had no idea. I just saw that. I saw her on uh, the Britney documentary, and I was like, wait, she doesn't sound like I thought she did. I was like, maybe she's grown up, or maybe that, is that all like a I think that was her, that's her real voice, because like nothing that she did outside of that was like really her. It's just this whole thing that she created. I love it. Respect. I'm going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start doing goodbye, everybody. It's not me anymore. (laughs) And on that note, we will conclude this lovely, lovely podcast, video cast, whatever you want to call it. Crystal, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for letting me ruin your podcast. No, you enhanced it. You did. So much better. Otherwise, yeah. (laughs) We would have just spiraled and been like, what are we talking about anymore? You actually made us get structured. We'll be doing Michael McDonald impersonations. (laughs) The celebrity impersonations if I have you been here. (laughs) I would lead you guys out with a Regina Spector song, but no one does that. That's not true. Uh Uh-oh. You just sign yourself up. Mr. Wendell can sing. Mr. Wendell. I have Hank here. Hank, say hello. Oh, Hank. It's my son. Hank is. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> oh, one yeah,
good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Enjoy the rest of the